Welcome to Reconciling Grace, a program where church leaders discuss various topics from the Bible. During the discussions, there may or may not always be agreement from every panel member on every point, but there is full agreement on the fact that the way to God the Father is through the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining us again for Reconciling Grace. This is Pete Vecchi, and I'm joined today by Vicki Cundiff, Steve Wilson, and Mick Wells. And Mick has been leading us in an installment of one of those topics that says, what does it mean when it says, and the topic is, be angry and do not sin. Well, we got through what we thought was going to be an entire program's worth, and we got through about half of it last time. And so we're going to pick right up where we were. It was just such a fascinating topic. I don't say that with any uh, malice or any anger, if you want to say that. That's good, Pete. Yeah. Uh, It's just one of those things where when our conversations start taking off like that, they take time, and I hope that everybody um, who listens finds them edifying. And so I think there's a lot more that we need to... Uh, continue to share about here. So Mick, I'm just going to let you take it away. Yeah, we were looking at an interesting concept where the scripture tells us be angry and sin not. You can find that in the New Testament and the Old Testament. And I think we generally agree that these verses do not give us license or encourage us to use as an excuse to get anger over everyone and everything. Uh, The Bible has a lot of cautions about uh, anger, especially with respect to our dealings with fellow fellow Christians. So anger in and of itself is not necessarily a sin. We're to be angry, but but not to sin, uh, according to some verses. But there are other cautions that we just should avoid anger, uh, being slow to anger, etc., But we also notice, too, that Jesus, our model for behavior, uh, there are instances in the Scripture where he was angry, and we covered some of the instances where he called uh, scribes and Pharisees uh, names, which weren't very nice. I think they implied anger at, at them for what they were doing or not doing. And so we came to the conclusion that anger, per se, Uh, isn't necessarily sin. And we looked at a verse that said that Christ, and I like the first part of this verse too, it says, leaving you an example. I love that clause because he is our example. He committed no sin. There was no deceit found in his mouth. He was a lamb without spot or blemish, acceptable to God as a sacrifice for our sins. So the things that you read in the Bible that Jesus Christ said and did, though they may reflect anger, they're not sin. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to take a look today at some examples of that. I'd like to start out, the word anger doesn't necessarily appear in this particular uh, section of Scripture. It's uh, Mark chapter 9, verses 17 to 19, and I think we'll see some anger in this on the part of Jesus Christ. Would you share that, Steve? A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who was possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, 
but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. Now, who do you think he's talking to there? You think he's talking to his disciples or the guy that brought his son to the disciples? Who is Jesus referring to when he, who's, who's, is he directing his comments to you unbelieving generation? Uh, how long shall I put up with you? Who's that directed toward, you think? Well, I always thought it was the man who brought the son, uh, but now I question that. Because mm-hmm. it seems like it was the disciples who couldn't do it, which could imply a lack of faith on their part. So maybe he's talking to his disciples there. Yeah. Um, any thoughts? Yeah, I think he was. Um, they had been sent out by twos previously to this and given uh, the Holy Spirit power to go out and heal diseases and sicknesses and drive out demons. And now Jesus has been up on the mountain in his transfiguration, and he comes down with a few of his disciples, and he comes down saying, oh, you know, (laughs) where's your faith? I've given you the power to do this. And I see it not so much anger as disappointment and weariness and frustration like mm-hmm. i've been with you all this time and i've given you this power to do this and, you, and now you've lacked the faith to do this you know all oh, you unbelieving generation people. so maybe that's an instance of or example of what i termed a first cousin the anger <laughs> that could mm-hmm. be frustration yeah. and so forth any thoughts pete as i shared last week when um we talked about when i get behind the wheel and somebody makes a move i don't want them to make and i said really that's kind of what I think. Uh, yeah. Maybe this is what Jesus' response was here. And 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 Steve, I'm I'm kind of like you with this when you say you think it's to the disciples and 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 Vicky as well. Right along those lines, one of the things that I have tended to think about when I see this passage is Vicky, as you mentioned, them going out two by two and they've driven out demons, they've done all this stuff, and it makes me wonder if they kind of got a little bit too. Uh, self-confident and not enough God-confident. It's like, oh, we've done this before. Yeah, we can do this. And they forgot. It's not we who can do it. It's God who can do it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's another instance in the scripture where disciples couldn't cast out a demon, I think it was. And uh, Jesus came back and he was upset with them too, saying this kind only comes out by by prayer and some versions say and and fasting. I think it's really this same scenario. It might be in a different uh, one of the gospels because they ask him afterwards, why couldn't we drive it out? Yeah. Well, you know, when I read this particular uh, passage of scripture, I I kind of tried to identify with it. I was picturing when I was a kid, if my mother or father had observed something I did or didn't do and said, how long am I going to stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? I'd say they were angry and I would welcome being sent to my room at, the, <laughs> at, at that point. But, um, you know, sometimes I have empathy for the disciples that tried to do things. We don't know exactly if they were getting um, overconfident or without regard to where their real power source was. But if they were genuinely trying to help and to get bashed like this, I, if I were them, I'd think, well, you know, what? I can't win. You know, what do I do? But I think Jesus is uh, basically 
saying you unbelieving generation, you have to have, you know, faith in the power source here. Well, I'm going to share with you another passage of Scripture. This is from Mark chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. The Bible says, Another time Jesus went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, Stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remain silent. And the Bible tells us this, says he, meaning Jesus, looked around at them in anger. Here you don't even have to get it inferred. The Bible tells us that Jesus was angry. He says, and the word says, deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, and said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus, and all I could think of was the cliche that no good deed goes unpunished. Oh, yeah. And here's the Pharisees. Now they're so angry that they're going to plot to kill him just because he healed the man's hand. Yeah. There's twofold anger here. Yeah, it, it, it's crazy the the reactions that you that you see here. Yeah, Jesus does does something good. Um, and another place in the scripture, these same types of people were plotting to kill Lazarus after Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. If you look at this particular passage that I read to you, um, said they were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal someone. That means they knew he could. That means they recognized that he had the, the quality of God there, and they still insisted on acting like they did. It's, it's just amazing. Well, you know, they were more interested in a couple of things. One was preserving their tradition, their law of the Sabbath, and the other, as I think we can see throughout Scripture, is they wanted to retain their place, meaning their, their position, their status, their, their power of ruling over their people. Yeah, so here Jesus was angry. The Bible tells us he was angry, and we know that Jesus was without sin. So this is a proper direction of anger. Absolutely. So Jesus um, was correct in being angry. Again, he knew their motives. We often don't know another person's motives. So it's always, we always need to be careful if we want to say that we're angry for a righteous reason. Sure. Now, if you ask people if they can think of any examples where Jesus was angry, I would say 80 to 85% of Christians would come back with the verse I've asked, or verses I've asked Vicki to share an example of Jesus' anger. Yes, John chapter 2, verses 13 through 16. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all of them from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, Get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. So was Jesus angry? 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Could he have just calmly been making a whip out of cords and, and held it up and says, like, just hands it up and says, okay, go ahead. No, get out, please. Yeah. You know, I don't see that. Yeah, it was actually more than anger, and it was not a slow to anger. He actually took the time to make a whip. <laughs> Which showed he knew what he was doing. He was doing what he had to do. I mean, when you think about it, how else could he put a stop to that? You know, he wasn't going to be able to say, hey, guys, this isn't right. You can't sell this money to sell these doves in here and do all this in here. How's, where's people going to pray? And so, you know, I think he did it for a, a reason, and he did it on purpose. And he just slowly put those cords together, you know, tying them together, because he knew that was the only way he was going to get rid of Absolutely. them. Absolutely. And maybe those knots were getting tighter with each different knot he was making. What do you think? Because each knot would get anger and anger and anger. <laughs> but, you know, for a righteous reason. Well, we need to take a quick break for our sponsor, so we will be right back. Welcome back to Reconciling Grace, and in today's program, we're taking a look at what does it mean when the Bible says, be angry and sin not, and so far we've acknowledged that uh, anger exists, and people get angry. In fact, Jesus got angry, and rightfully so in uh, cases that we've read about here in the Bible. One of the things that strikes me is Jesus didn't just get angry. He expressed his anger. Yeah. To the Pharisees, he he called them names. He yelled at them. He scolded them. To the people in the synagogue, he he gave them the evil eye. It says he looked at them in anger. And then here in the temple, he's he's even getting violent. Yeah, it's uh, some people say that without regard to scripture or anything, if you hold anger in, you're going to damage yourself too. So Mm -hmm. it may be somewhat therapeutic, but uh, yeah, there's a purpose behind it. He just didn't get angry and seethe and let his blood pressure rise. He expressed it, but uh, for a purpose. And, uh, and you know, the purpose too is all this unrighteousness and all the sin was going on, sin against people, not caring about this man's hand, more concerned about their rules not yep. caring about what the Lord's house is supposed to be, you know, but and, and these were religious leaders. Yeah. And so he was so angry that they weren't living by the godliness that they claimed to have in their hearts, but how they were treating people and how they were treating the Lord. Yeah, absolutely. That has uh, much higher priority than uh, following all the rules to a, a T as, uh, as they did with the law. Well, you know, we need to look to the Bible, too. Uh, anger's not really a positive thing for anybody. It's, it's kind of stressful. It, um, if we express it, we might feel better, but we're supposed to avoid this. And, and uh, none of us are Jesus, so we have to look at the Bible. How, do, how should we deal with anger or temptation to become angry? But I'd... Um, let me throw this out. What do you do if you're angry or tempted to become angry? You know, some people deal with this kind of thing in a, a different way. They know they don't want to be angry, whether it's righteous or not. Some people deal with uh, anger. I've, I've seen people cup the telephone while they were talking at work, 
And uh, I said, what's going on? He said, I'm, the guy I was talking to said, I'm counting to 10, and then I'm going to go back and engage this conversation again. Mm-hmm. He was trying to suppress uh, anger. And I was telling uh, folks here kind of off mic that uh, when I was younger, I used to draw somebody's picture like a cartoon character and put it on my dartboard. Well, I'm not recommending that on Reconciling Grace. How do you deal uh, with anger? I think it helps to talk through it. To God? Uh, Sometimes to God. A lot of times to a friend or my wife so that, Uh you know, they can help me talk through it, maybe see things uh, from a different perspective. That's good. I think that's positive. I hate anger or being angry, I should say. (laughs) Um, No, I hate being angry. I hate conflict is maybe the better way I should put it. Mm -hmm. And... um, I need to sometimes step back from the situation. I hate being wrong. And one of the things that I have realized is that God doesn't need me to be angry for him. In other words, Mm -hmm. I don't need to stand up and and defend God. God's going to defend himself. So more often than not, there's a bit of selfishness in it when I'm angry. Or somebody has said something to me or done something to me or or something that has made me hurt and I am expressing my own selfishness. And like one of the things I have been known to do is just get out, take a walk, get in the car, go drive. Um, and, And I just need to get away from the situation and put it in perspective. Yeah, I think that's one of my go to activities is just to go for a drive and it may not be the right frame of mind to go driving but if i go on back roads and just roll down the windows it it helps some vicky how do you deal with it i don't like feeling angry either i you know i mean we get angry you know over circumstances but i don't like the way it makes me feel i don't like what it makes me think about these reruns keep going through your mind, right. you know, as you play it out in your head play over and over tapes. again. <laughs> and I, I just go to the Lord and I, I don't want to feel this way anymore. You know, the scripture says to cast all your cares on him, uh, all your right. anxiety on him because he cares for you. Do not be anxious about anything, but pray. And sometimes I have to just visually, you know, put the situation in one hand, like with a fist or, or the people within the other, and then pray and release that. That helps me. Well, I thought you were going to say and, uh, smash them together. Not smash them. <laughs> I'm not going to punch the wall or anything. But I don't like to feel that way. So over the years, I've learned, and it was a learned thing, I've learned to try to quickly give that to Lord, to the Lord as soon as possible. Yeah. Uh, because I, I don't like the way it feels. I know it's not, the Bible says don't give it a foothold. Right. You know, and so that to me, that's that's really, over as I've gotten older, that's something I've really learned to try to let that go. That doesn't mean that the situation changed or anything you might still have to deal with it there's mm-hmm. times to speak or not speak or whatever but trying to let go of the anger yeah. is what we're talking about here i think that's a good segue into a scripture i've asked uh, pete to share with us um and i go to this one a lot uh, james chapter 1 verses 19 and 20 my beloved brothers understand this everyone should be quick to listen slow to speak and slow to anger for man's anger does not bring about the righteousness that God desires. Now, what's that mean for us in everyday life? Quick to listen. That's an odd way of, of saying, a, of expressing a concept. Slow to speak, slow to anger. I, I think what it's saying to me 
is that we shouldn't shoot from the hip when something triggers us. We need to kind of step back, and maybe we were right in being angry, or maybe we're not, but this is telling us, slow to speak, slow to anger. And as you said, anger doesn't bring about the righteousness that God desires. So we started this program with a concept, be angry and sin not. Steve asked if that was a command. I think according to this verse, we would say no. It's not a command. Uh, it's, it doesn't reflect the righteousness uh, that God desires. Has this first helped you in, in your life? I don't know if it's helped me per se, but I have seen it at work. For instance, I like criminal drama shows, so you see the, the times when they go before a jury or whatever, and the attorney will always tell the person before you answer from the juror's box, know that this person is going to try to make you angry. So before you answer, take a deep breath, take a beat, wait, think about it. And I think that can be a little bit of what this is talking about, slow to speak, quick to listen. Just stop and, and, and think a moment, what is the best way to deal with what's being said? Yeah, and I think of these trigger words. I've known of people who pick up on one word without the context and go ballistic over it, and you can't even reason with it. So on, on the recipient side of things that cause me to uh, become angry, I have to, I have to meditate on this, slow to anger, quick to listen. To me, yeah. it's, it's kind of speaking of a need to be patient with other people. Mm-hmm. You know, you can fly off the handle at somebody uh, without hearing them out, without thinking about the situation, um, and that doesn't help. You know, that that doesn't bring about the righteousness that, that God desires. That doesn't bring about the outcome that God desires if you're just judging people and jumping down their throats. Absolutely. It has uh, very practical applications without regard to the fact that uh, the Bible admonishes us to be patient. Um, I wanted to share a verse with you. This is just a few verses after, be angry yet do not sin. Ephesians 4, chapter, chapter 4, verses 31 to 32 says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, outcry, and slander, along with every form of malice, be kind and tender-hearted to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. So what do we do about anger? The Bible tells us get rid of it. Get rid of rage. Get rid of anger. And in that sense, we, we talk it out with people. We give it to God. Uh, we just make a, a purposeful and an intentional, deliberate attempt not to let it consume us. Um, Vicki, another related verse, Colossians chapter 3 and verse 8. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Yeah, uh, same concept in the verse I read and, and the one you just read. Rid, rid yourself of all those things, and it says all such things, anger and its first cousins as I called it. Um, what do we do about anger? Well, uh, Steve, would you share with us from Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1? A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Yeah, have you ever seen people 
you see this on TV and people's court and so forth. You see it in the political debates. They're so busy yelling at each other. Um, a gentle answer turns away wrath. Um, I've purposely tried to apply that. I have people, and one guy at work so angry at me that he was spitting in my face, literally spitting on me. And I, I talked to him very um, gently, if you will. I tried to give him gentle answers. And this big scene that was being made in my cubicle, my boss heard it across the room. He pulled me out of there and he says, Mick, just say the word and I'll go throw this guy out on his, well, I won't say that. But um, I said, let me, let me deal with this. And I tried the gentle answer approach and he did calm down and we didn't have to call the police or anything like that. Um, another verse says, this is Psalm 37 and verse 8. Uh, you know, most of our program segments here on, on anger have dealt with the New Testament, but the Old Testament does give us some advice. Psalm 37, 8 says, Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It only leads to evil. You know, and Vicki, I think you brought up about don't give the devil a, a foothold. And I think if we dwell on anger or the effects of anger too long, we may, it could lead to giving the devil a foothold and some control in our life. And then one out of Romans chapter 12, verse 18. I love this verse. Pete, would you share that? If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. That tells me I don't have complete control over what other people do. They can be angry at me. Gentle answer might not turn away their wrath or their anger. But Paul in Romans says, as far as it depends on you, you, you have no assurance that your godly response to someone is going to bring about a godly change in, in their behavior. So as far as it depends on us, don't get in a shouting match if you can help, but live at peace with everyone, everyone, uh, fellow Christians, non-Christians, people who hate Christ, you know, even. Be, if you can, be at peace uh, with everyone. You know, Mick, as I'm looking at the clock here and I'm seeing we have just a little bit more than a minute or so to go, um, one of the things I put in a note on a note here is on your notes is circling right back to almost the very beginning where you shared with us Ephesians 4, 26 and 27, where it says, be angry yet do not sin, do not let the sun set upon your anger and do not give the devil a foothold. And to me, this kind of goes along with what we just read from Romans, talking about not giving the devil a foothold. And one of the things I thought about as we talk about not letting the sun go down on your anger um, there's kind of a corollary to that that you hear, don't go to bed angry. Mm -hmm. And, you know, think about if husbands and wives would just settle their arguments before they went to bed. Yeah. They don't stew on it. They, they take care of it. The idea, don't dwell on it, because the longer you dwell on it, the worse it tends to fester up within you. It's kind of like not getting rid of an infection. Yeah. Uh, there's no guarantee that we're going to have the ability to... To settle, I think we should at least try, consistent with what the Word advises us to do, mm -hmm. uh, not to let the sun go down on our anger. Um, so 
you need to try to deal with it if you can and in a Christian uh, and godly manner. And Mick, I think we're just about out of time again. It's amazing how we can get two programs out of something we thought was going to be one and yet still feel like we could keep going on. But I think we're going to be able to stop here for now. So for Mick Wells, thank you for sharing this with us. Steve Wilson, Vicki Cundiff, this is Pete Vecchi. And I want to thank everybody for listening to Reconciling Grace. May God bless you. This has been Reconciling Grace. If you have a comment or a question for our panel, or if you would like to invite one or more of our panelists to share with your church or group, please send an email to rg at faithandfriendsradio.com. And thank you for listening to Reconciling Grace. Reconciling Grace.